0: Today's episode of Interactions features the work of David R. Blumenthal, whose essay discusses how the Jewish tradition advocates for the repairing of the soul in the midst of wrongdoing, guilt, and shame. Blumenthal uses the biblical story of King David to illustrate the importance of taking ownership of one's wrongdoing. Guilt alone is not enough. This essay is the first of three on soul repair in extreme circumstances, even life or death situations. You can find the other two on CanopyForum.org. I am your narrator, Janet Metzger, and this is the Interactions Podcast. I am embarrassed to be writing these essays. Who am I to give advice to men and women who have faced death? Who am I to offer guidance to men and women who have called upon their deep inner courage and risked their own lives and the lives of others? I did not serve in the armed forces. I have never been in a situation that required me to risk my life. I don't even know how to fire a gun. Who am I to give advice to those who have had to make life and death choices, especially those who made the wrong choice. Who am I to offer guidance to those whose errors are irreparable? I have sinned, as have all humans, but no one died as a result of anything I ever did. I have made serious mistakes, but I have not taken anyone else's life. I am not even a doctor who has lost a patient. Still, it is my hope that these three essays will help us to understand our fellow humans and respond with empathy and pro-social behavior. The rabbis instruct that before one begins to teach, one should pray, May it be thy will, O Lord, our God, and God of our ancestors, that no damage be done by my teaching. Amen. We all do things that are wrong. In fact, we all do things that are seriously wrong. As Ecclesiastes chapter 7 verse 20 states, there is no righteous person on the earth who has done good and has not sinned. That's the way it is, even though many of us live in denial. If one has done something wrong, one should feel guilty. That is the whole point. To do wrong is natural. To feel guilty is also natural. If we could do wrong and never feel guilt, we would not be human. We would be satanic. Guilt is the healthy response to having done something wrong, especially when it is a serious wrong. Serious guilt runs very deep. It touches our soul and colors our being. Serious shame makes us blush. It covers our face. This is not social embarrassment. This is guilt and shame. Serious wrongdoing engenders shame. Serious sin engenders guilt. That is the way it is. That is the way it should be. Without guilt and shame, moral chaos reigns. In biblical and later Jewish tradition, sin is always the result of one's actions. There is no such thing as original sin— which is transmitted through the generations and is somehow genetically inscribed in the human race. Rather, Jewish tradition teaches that humans have been taught what to do by God and by society, and if we deviate from that knowingly, we sin. Put in theological language, the doctrine of free will requires that sin be a result of our actions. The doctrine of reward and punishment requires that we have agency and responsibility for our actions, for better and for worse. To be free, guilt must be the result of sin. That is how it must be for religion to be coherent. As an example, let us consider the biblical King David. He is a man of many faults, but they are not military faults, they are moral. King David seduces Bathsheba, the wife of Uriah the Hittite, and causes her to become pregnant. Then, he orders his soldiers to have Uriah killed in battle and subsequently marries Bathsheba. The prophet Nathan comes to confront him in the passage that follows, 2 Samuel chapter 12, verses 1 to 10. The Lord sent Nathan to David And he came to him and said to him, There were two men in a city, one rich and one poor. The rich man had many sheep and cattle, but the poor man had only one small ewe that he had bought, and which he had kept alive, and which lived with him and his children. It ate from his bread, drank from his cup, slept with him, and became a child to him. A visitor came to the rich man, but he was averse to taking from his own flock to prepare food for the visitor that had come to him. So he took the ewe of the poor man, and prepared it for the visitor. David was very angry at the rich man, and he said to Nathan, I swear by God that the man who did this is a dead man, and he shall pay forty times the value of the ewe, because he has done this thing and did not have pity. And Nathan said to David, You are the man. Thus says the Lord God of Israel, I anointed you as king over Israel, I saved you from the hand of Saul, I gave you the house of your master as well as his wives, and I set you over the house of Israel and Judah. And if this were not enough, I would do more of this and that. Now, why have you despised the word of the Lord to do that which is wrong in my eyes?" you smote Uriah by the sword and took his wife as a wife for yourself, killing him with the sword of the Ammonites. Therefore the sword will not depart from your house forever because you despised me and have taken the wife of Uriah the Hittite to yourself as a wife. King David's response to this accusation shows his greatness. He does not deny what he has done, he does not make excuses, he does not blame anyone else. Rather, King David admits his guilt. In second Samuel, chapter twelve, verse thirteen, he assumes responsibility for his actions, saying, I have sinned unto God. The greatness of King David, then, is not in his being a warrior, It is in the moral courage he shows when Nathan confronts him on the killing of Uriah and the seduction of Bathsheba. He does not deny what he has done. He assumes responsibility for his actions. King David confronts his wrongdoing. He admits what has happened. He feels guilty for his sin. The following is a psalm of David, Psalm 51, verses 1 to 4 after Nathan the prophet confronted him concerning his adultery with Bathsheba. Be gracious unto me, God, commensurate with your loving kindness, With the greatness of your mercy, wipe away my very serious sins. Quickly scrub me clean of my serious sins, and purify me from my lesser sins. Because I do recognize my very serious sins, even my lesser sins are before me all the time. Confronting one's wrongdoing is good. Admitting it is essential. Feeling guilt for having done wrong is a blessing. Feeling guilt is a sign of our being morally awake. The child of the illicit relationship between King David and Bathsheba becomes deathly ill after Nathan's confrontation and David's confession. David recognizes that the child's impending death is his responsibility, that the child is innocent, and that he, David, is responsible. 2 Samuel 12, verses 16-23 to reads, David prayed to God for the child, and he fasted, and he came and slept on the floor. The elders of his court rose to lift David up from the earth, but he would not. Nor did he eat bread with them. On the seventh day, the child died. But the servants of David were afraid to tell him that the child had died, saying, When the child was alive, we spoke to him, and he did not listen to us. How can we tell him that the child has died? Perhaps he will do something terrible. David saw that his servants were whispering, and he understood that the child had died. He said to his servants, has the child died? And they replied, He has died. Then David rose from the earth, washed and anointed himself, changed his clothes, and came to the house of the Lord and prayed. Then he returned to his palace and asked for food. He was served, and he ate. His servants said to him, What have you done? When the child was alive, you fasted and wept, but when the child died, you rose and ate bread? And he replied, While the child was alive, I fasted and wept, for I said, Perhaps the Lord will be gracious unto me, and the child will live. But now the child is dead. Why should I fast? Can I bring him back again? I will go to him, but he will not return to me. David The great warrior of Israel chastises himself and prays for the innocent child who is about to die because of his sin, though he does so only as long as there is a possibility that the innocent one may not have to die. But once the child is dead, David knows that he cannot bring him back. We cannot bring back the dead, even those who have died from something we have done. No one can bring back the dead. King David, the warrior par excellence, admits this. He cannot fix it. So, David turns to the present and the future. The first thing that King David does is rejoin normal life. He washes, he changes his clothes, he prays, he eats, and he talks to others. The second thing that King David does is try to repair the wrong he has done he wronged bathsheba by committing adultery with her by getting her pregnant in an adulterous relationship and by murdering her husband how can he repair that the very next verse second samuel chapter 12 verse 24 says and david comforted bathsheba his wife and he came to her and had relations with her and she gave birth to a son and she called him solomon And the Lord loved him. King David will never escape from what he has done. It is done. He will always live with his evil deeds and the fault for the death of his child. But as we see, fate will bring up the opportunity to repair this wrong once more. As King David lies on his deathbed, his son Adonijah seizes the throne and proclaims himself king with the support of some very important people. In 1 Kings chapter 1, verses 17 to 30, Bathsheba and Nathan confront David. And Bathsheba said to him, My lord, you swore to your maidservant by the Lord your God, saying, Verily, Solomon your son will rule after me, and he will sit on my throne. But now Adoniah has become king. As for you, my lord the king, the eyes of all of Israel are upon you to say who will sit on the throne of my lord the king after him. And should my lord the king lie with his ancestors before crowning Solomon, then I and my son Solomon will be considered sinners and will be executed. And the king swore, saying, I swear by the Lord, as I have sworn to you by the Lord God of Israel, saying that your son Solomon will reign after me, and he will sit on my throne, so shall I enact this day. Guilt is not enough. One must rejoin life, and one must repair as best as one can. One can never erase the past, but one can and must return to normal life— Consider what needs to be done to fix things, as best as one can, and spend the rest of one's life fixing, repairing, as Psalm 51 verses 12 to 15 say, Grant me a pure heart, God, and give me a determined spirit. Do not drive me away from your presence, and do not take away your Holy Spirit. Bring back to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a generous spirit so that I can teach other sinners your way and sinners will return to you. Save me from violence, God, the God of my salvation, so that my tongue may sing your righteousness. That was Soul Repair, A Jewish View, by David R. Blumenthal. You can find his other two essays on this topic by visiting the Canopy Forum link in the episode description. Canopy Forum and the Interactions podcast are distributed by the Center for the Study of Law and Religion at Emory University, produced by Anna Knudsen, and I am your narrator, Janet Metzger. Please follow Canopy Forum on Twitter or Facebook and subscribe to Interactions on your favorite podcast platform. Thank you for listening.